heroes. It has been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, it's a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good and could be good again. Oh, people will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. They did. They did. I mean, you hear Vince Scully's voice. It, it wasn't really even about... It wasn't about the actual game that was played. I mean, how else are you going to get a national audience on network TV to watch a baseball game between the Cubs and Reds in August when both of them are bad if you're not a Reds or Cubs fan? Well, put it out in the cornfield. Put it out in Iowa. Put it out at Field of Dreams. baseball re. Now, it's not James Earl Jones, but Vin Scully's voice especially now that he passed just a few weeks ago. You know, I what, what unfolded last night, well let's, well, let's just call it corn porn. Out in the cornfields, but just the, the majesty of it all. It's special. It's special. I get it. Hopefully next year they have two teams that are in a hunt and a meaningful game, and, you know, you have your, Announcers cosplaying like they're writers from, you know, the 1920 New York Times. Yeah. My name's Walter Goldberg. Yeah. Cover baseball game. Anyway, it's, you know, if it was two teams fighting for a division or a spot on the wild card or something of substance. I think it adds a little extra to the game, but I think it speaks to the power of the Field of Dreams games that even with two bad teams, they will come, Ray. They will come. When is Tom Brady going to come back? Tom Brady left the Buccaneers practice yesterday for personal non-football reasons. That was tweeted out by Ian Rappaport yesterday morning. He wasn't there. Todd Bowles said afterwards he discussed it. His understanding was that he won't be present for a few days. And afterwards, he said that um, he expects him to probably be back by week one. So after the preseason game on August 20th is what he first said. And then he said the expectation is he'll be back for week one. Um, Ian Rappaport then later reported that Tom Brady is fine. We went on the Pat McAfee show, right? And, you know, was like, uh, I, I don't think there's like anything wrong in his home life. His exact quote was, to my knowledge, Tom Brady and his family are fine and it's not a medical emergency. The best description I got was, it's important to find a work-life balance. That is a very polite way of Tom Brady pulling the old Danny Glover line. I mean, come on. You know the line, right? Danny Glover in so many movies. Wait, 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 wait. I'm getting too old for this. That's Tom Brady with training camp. 
wait, wait, Reeks, Reeks. Tom Brady is basically in Tampa where they've let him do it every once, despite the fact that apparently he kind of wanted to be in Miami instead and wanted to be a part owner, and the NFL nixed it because Ryan Flores blew up that situation when Bill Belichick accidentally texted the wrong former coach of his to congratulate him on a job that Brian didn't get before he even interviewed for it. You know the backstory. If you don't, everything I just said might not make sense to you, but trust me, it happened and it's real. And so now he's in Tampa just because he wants to keep playing football. Well, he didn't want to do the training camp, but he, he can't do Rob, he can't do like Rob Gronkowski used to do. Yeah, I'll just come back later. I'm special. I'm Rob. I'm not, I'm not doing training camp. Tom just says, yeah, work-life balance. What are you going to do? You're going to find me? I dare you. No, you're not because you let me do whatever I want here. So I'm going to go home for a while and I'll be back later on. When camp's done and, um, you know, after, after before the third preseason game, maybe when training camp's done and we're just getting back to practicing and prepping for week one, that's when I'll be back. That's what's happening here. That's what's happening here. Even though it's somehow weird, I don't know if it's black magic, it's just crazy that he's still doing what he's doing at 45. Being 45, he gets, and being Tom Brady, he gets to pull the, Man, I'm getting too old for this. Facts. Facts. Yes, in the opening segment, we had Danny Glover references when it came to Tom Brady and uh, the term corn porn was used. But it made sense, right? Come on. I got to give it to you guys. It's Friday. It's on the Great Scott Show. Right? So give me all you got Friday. Give me all you got. Give me all you got. By the way, heat to the novel on bookshelves now. When we come back, Gus Cagnell, Saints and Pelicans correspondent, Cubs fan, did he watch the corn porn? Hall of Fame. We're going to talk about all of that and more in our segment next, the Pro Nola segment coming up. And after that, some player interviews with some Rage of Cajun football players, Peter LeBlanc, A.J. Gilley. Carlos Rubio, I think Chris Moncrief maybe is. We've got, we got a number of stuff we're going to be hitting on in the 8 o'clock hour, plus open phone lines in the 8 o'clock hour as we get ready. We had, we had not just the, the Hall of Fame game last night. We also had you know, some preseason, a preseason football. Oof. The NFL also saying, hey, there's another day on the sports calendar. The only reason we haven't owned it is because we just, decided we didn't want to we've decided in 2023 we want to own it so we're going to start doing that now we'll talk about that in the eight o'clock hour if you want to get a head start on it you can read about it over at espnlafayette.com and the espn lafayette app don't go anywhere great scott show continues on a give me all you got friday gus Catgill joins me right after this
this is Rich Eisen. You can hear me every day on ESPN Lafayette from noon to 3 on The Rich Eisen Show. ESPN Lafayette. E to the S to the P to the N. The best ticket in sports. Scott Show, everybody. I am Scott Fraser on a Gimme All You Got Friday. Time for that Pro Nola segment that we have every Friday right here on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Gus Cattengale joins us now on a Friday. Gus, I mean, the Saints, they play a preseason game tomorrow. Your Cubs were involved in some corn porn last night. You know, two bad teams, Cubs, Reds. But the Field of Dream games, and it was all pretty to watch. And, you know, the, the, there's, there's, there's a number of things happening in sports right now that might have the, uh, the attention of one Gus Cattengale, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent. But happy Friday, man. Good morning to you. How's it going? Hey, man. Happy Friday to you. Good morning. What's going on, bud? So I know, you know, your Cubs are having a rough season, but when it comes to the field of dream games, aside from hoping to have a better matchup, I don't know what it is about like the, you know, these, these baseball people cosplaying like they're playing in a game a hundred years ago, but you know what? The production's always cool. Like I, if I, I could make fun of it, but I would just be being a hater because it's, it really is cool. I mean, if you want to make fun of the Harry Carey hologram, go ahead. Horde field. I, I, I liked it. Um, I, I liked it when I was, um, you know, watching it last year. And, look, it turned out to be exciting, right? I mean, it went down to the last, you know, um, at bat and, and the home runs and, and stuff that you had with Stanton. So, I mean, it enjoyed. I mean, you had uh, iconic stuff there. Right? And, look, and I think – the nostalgia of it and, and seeing it for the first time was pretty cool. I mean, look, I, I'll say this, Scott, if you can make baseball, and I know we've had this discussion before, if you can somehow make baseball appointment viewing and, you know, with what we do in our medium, dude, to, to, to have people want to tune in to your show, want to tune in to that baseball game um, on purpose, seek out a podcast or story, you right? Like, that's the goal, right? So to have something where you did have people, you know, last year, I just remember, like, Twitter, like, broke. I mean, I, everyone was just watching, you know, how great it was, how it looked, the, the broadcast, great presentation. the style of it, and uh, it yeah. also helps when you have a game. I'll give it to him. Corn porn and, and another great presentation last night. But if you're talking about cool things in baseball, you know, we – we didn't get into it on your show this week, uh, ESPN New Orleans, the sports thing over noon to three weekdays. You guys all need to check it out. Gus has been doing it for years. Uh, but but you, even being a Cubs fan yourself, you had to admit to me that this was this was pretty awesome.
Now that that's a hell of an entrance right there for a closer, Gus. Isn't it? I mean, you you even admitted to me you 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 thought that was pretty dang cool. No, I, it was fantastic, and I was going to say that you know I'd be lying to you if I told you that as you played that the hips weren't moving. I might have you know been doing something with my upper lip, you know, kind of like a snarl. I mean, yeah, totally. Just I love it. I mean, I think it is. Uh, I think it's fantastic. I, I and honestly, you know, again, to try to I, I guess kind of follow baseball now it's not as easy as i guess it, it has been and so scott i mean i i don't know maybe it's my fault but i'm ashamed i i had no idea about that i no idea you know and but i'll say i don't watch that games and kind of like i told you unless they're playing nationally and i'm sitting there and i'm watching all the way to close i probably wouldn't have known that but apparently that's the thing and seeing the entire stadium um man i almost called it shea stadium huh back in the day but uh, I just—it was so cool to see that. My favorite parts, obviously, the the mascots, the gigantic baseballs, the Miss, Mr. and Mrs. <laughs> Met playing the trumpet, Mr. and yeah. Mrs. Met, right? Yeah, playing the trumpet. Have some respect. I mean, I That's Mr. and Mrs. Met to you guys. Ah, uh, dude, like like I said, it's really cool. I'll say this: I I um, after I talked to you, I had um, some some people on our show that were guests and. You know, they they all kind of started with uh, what I said. You know, the Sandman, and I did I, I did. It'll mention your reasoning for thinking that Mariana Rivera and the Sandman's garbage. Not even. I, 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 again, I, I again, and what you it's said a, was, it's not garbage. I, it's a great, it's look, he's the greatest closer of all time. And it's, it's an all time great song. The thing is, if that, you hear that, that song on the radio, unless you're like, I mean, a hard, hard, hardcore Yankees fan. The first thing you think of isn't Mariana Rivera. Like it's not. It's Inner Sandman, right? Say you know Eric Gagne used to come out to Welcome to the Jungle back when, right? You know he was an elite closer and maybe he was juicing, but most of the league was. So we'll just look past that for this conversation. Yeah. Point is, maybe maybe so was Kyle Farnsworth. Right, right. Well, we did, lately, my God, talk about a scary dude. But like, it's Welcome. It to, it's Guns and Roses. If you hear that on the radio, Gus. Oh, you're thinking I understand of, exactly what you're saying. You're now, right. I mean, look, the, the oh, player making oh, a song. Don't, like you don't think don't, I'm like Metallic. I, I hear you. Dude, Timmy Trumpet and and got uh, Blaster Jacks, the artist. They're they're loving this right now, man. Because Edwin Diaz has that thing uh, popular. A lot of downloads right now. A lot of streaming. But it it this is a point I've made this week, and we're gonna get into the Saints. Everybody, don't worry. You know, live music at a sporting event, whether it's played through a speaker or whether it's performed live by a marching band, band player, whatever. It can elevate a moment so much. And yes, you know, with the Field of Dream games or or NFL films, all of that hard knocks. So it works great on video, but when it's live and in person and everybody's having that shared emotional experience at the same time, yeah. it's set up perfectly for a great closer. Because when a closer comes in the game, the fans are already happy if they're at home because they're winning, right? They, they figure... Man, we got one of the best closers in the game. We're we're, we're about to win. We're all going to so it's almost like we're we're celebrating the fact that we're probably going to have the after game celebration soon. Is so everybody's already in this good place? 
The reason Halftime became such a popular song for Saints fans is because they introduced it in 2008 after scoring touchdowns. And then in 09, they, you know, won the Super Bowl and won 13 games. And then they won 11 in 2010. And then they won 13 more in 2011. And that's not counting playoff games. Just re- The point is, they had this elite offense. And so every time they scored, there was plenty of reason to dance. It wasn't like they, they in those times... You know, and then once you do it long enough, then it almost becomes like a nostalgia thing, even though, you know, they tried to start playing different songs. Fans still wanted it. They were having trouble leaving it behind. It's like I I use the Saints as an example because that's, you know, the main topic you and I cover most of the time. But finding the right thing, I think, you know, it's it's got to it's hard. Like if you're a college band, the song that you play with a third down stop that's going to make fans a lot more happier than the song you play before a third down, especially if the defense is bad, right? You're setting yourself up for, eh, I don't know if I like this. So regardless of what the music is, Gus, my one question to you on this is, what is live music at a live sporting event that you think of when I ask you this question? First one that comes to mind, whether it's played on a speaker or whether it's played by a band, whatever, what's the one that comes to your mind? It's got to be anything that has to do with the Tigers. I mean, I probably I grew up with it, but um, I think of bam, 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 go Tigers, and quite honestly, they kind of get you ready. Hold that Tiger. I mean, when they play it before yeah, the game, right? I mean, dude, the beginning. You know, I mean, I, one of my good friends growing up um, was in the band, and I, you know, remember going to that that game, his first game, and I mean, he was. Um, you know, but I, I mean, the amount of practice and stuff, I remember going and visiting him on weekends. I mean, they're in the summer in the parking lot, all this other stuff. And, you know, he just, I mean, I, like it gave me goosebumps seeing what it meant for him. You know, when you just hear the snare, 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 and then all of a sudden it just, everybody starts, you know, going and do the whole place goes nuts. Like that's, I, I, you know, as you were going through all of that just now, um, sports and music have a pairing that's very, um, I think, important. You know, yeah. whether it is, like you said, a, a recorded, you know. Whether it's a walk-up music I, for a batter or whether it's something well, the band plays saying. before well, every I mean, game. I, like, to me, I think of something like Philadelphia and, you know, being on the sideline and it was a St. Eagles game. And when it's, you know, their third down, it's the bell sound of the Rocky music. And you hear, dun, 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 and, you know, it's, you know, Mickey saying, uh, you know, it's Mickey saying, you know, it's, I don't know, um, you bet, you know, you better fight your bum or whatever. Right. And, you know, but it's, the, it's, it's you know, the five second Rocky loop that, that, you know, it's Rocky. I mean, I, I'm telling you, those people think he's free. I mean, <laughs> They absolutely believe Rocky is real. and They, they got the I mean, statue. They got the statue I mean, of him. Like, dude, but, dude, I, I remember being on the sideline. Like, I got goosebumps. So, like, the place is the second. And, I mean, I mean, the place. You can just feel the energy. But I, I, that's what I think of um, with that. At the same time, too, in the same heyday of the offense, even though you're, you're nauseous hearing it now, but, you know, stand up and kick. I mean. That's, you know, you, you felt that, but to me, I still think again, maybe because it's where I grew up and, um, still remember it. And 
probably tied in with, you know, a dad moment, you know, Scott, because that's where dad went. I remember back in the day, well before he needed to be there eight hours before kickoff, you know, you could go to the practice football field next to the PMAC. And I used to kick field goals, you know, with dad and then literally walk in right before the kickoff because there was no crowds and, um, you know, and watch that. I just, even whether they won or they lost, and at the time that I was a kid, they didn't win a lot. But every time that band played that song, you know, it, people just will go nuts, you know. And then when it, it hits its crescendo and everyone starts chanting, yeah, let's do. I mean, it is. It, it, that's probably the, the first thing that, that, that pops to me. I mean, even being at Wrigley Field uh, the year after they won the World Series, my wife surprised us for uh, our anniversary and took me to a Cubs-Cardinals Sunday night game on ESPN and Cubs won in the ninth and I got the same go Cubs go. I mean, I just, yeah, it's, it, it totally is pairing to it, but it's man, whether it's wrestling, the undertaker, or you hear the crash and, you know, stone cold coming out. It, it is crazy how, if you find that right tune, that right song, it, 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 it will stay with it's it, special, man. you, the school. It is. It becomes special. You're right. I mean, that, that right there, when I hear that from here and out, I don't know what else I would think of, right? ESP and Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Gus Gagnon joining us. We're going to talk Saints in a minute. Not much to report on the Pelicans, Gus, other than, you know what, the, the date came Monday. Um, still no extensions for Larry Nance Jr. or C.J. McCollum. Not a surprise. Doesn't mean it won't happen before the season. Doesn't mean it will. It, it's, you know, I, other than that, you know, no news is kind of good news, right, on the Pelicans front uh, at this point. I, I got some news for you. I got some news for you. Um, Thursday at practice, uh, Saints 14th and final practice before the preseason game tomorrow, dude. Um, it was cool to see Trey Murphy and Herb Jones not on Herb. walk along the, the walkway from one end to the other and – Saints fans yelling their name, knowing who they are, and and just you know go pal and, and see they're into Barry. it, right? It's not Zion walking by or Ingram. It's in it's right. Herb Jones and no. Trey Murphy, and the and the the, no. the, the Saints I, fans and, are going. And, and I think what's so cool, man. And again, I, I actually brought it up on our show Thursday that you know one of the things that you love about the Saints is what Sean helped create and Drew and everybody else that played you know from 06 on was this this feeling of family that you know the saints are a team all to themselves i mean you, you hear it this training camp it has that feeling which is why i think a lot of us are stopping short of saying it could be a special season but i think it could be the start of making something special and you've heard me tell you as i had to calm you down from a negative win season that you predicted. See, I did that. I gave you one win Wednesday. Today, negative win total, which isn't even possible. But I kept saying, you know, maybe next year or a year from now, but I, I could definitely see with the talent this team has, a full season of playing with one another and seeing what you got and then finish the seasoning I don't see why we're not sitting here at the end of the year, dude. And I, you know me, I, I, I could see me at the very least in January saying, well, that was a heck of a season. Um, 
maybe the Saints are at the start of a championship window, you know, or, or the opportunity to go out there and compete in the NFC. I really think they got that kind of talent, man, on the offensive side and defensive side. But what's great is while I'm watching that, here are two basketball players that people are just as giddy to see, dude. And they're together. There's Witherspoon that's always around them. when Cash is next to them, too. It's good to see the connection that these young players have with execs, with coaches, with people of the organization. It's not, you know, what you saw earlier this week with Kevin Durant and, you know, Kyrie Irving where using sources and leakers, they really don't care for Steve Nash. They don't care for the GM. The Nets are not all in. I mean, just garbage, but you, you don't have that. At least right now, you don't. And you have Larry Nance kind of ripping them, saying, dude, thanks for the invite. It's not like I wasn't in the gym working out with you. I mean, I, I love that. I love that about Larry Nance Jr. He's like, you know, the middle brother or something. But he's totally embraced this place. And listen to what he just said, though. He's in the gym, you know, working out with him. Like, this team has not stopped working, dude. So you're right. There's no transaction news, but man, I'm telling you, it, it's crazy to think that that team is just about one another and they, they can't wait to get back to the court, man. And it's, it's exciting. Like, that's not the norm, especially in the NBA. You know, we've seen it in New Orleans because it's been very unique, which is why I think they were successful and won a lot of games. And you see the connection with this, uh, with this fan base. I mean, fans Thursday were shouting out Andres, Andres Peake's name. You know? Good, good, good for Andrews. He deserves it. God bless him. Yeah, no, and that's what I'm saying, though, man. It's like, you know, like, fans will be like, come on, Andrews, this is the year, baby, you know, or, or block better, or, you know, one guy, who was it? I think it was Callaway. He's like, man, you got to make the cut. You got to make the cut. I mean, we have coaches and GMs at practice. It's fantastic. But it's, um, it, it is. It's a unique thing, man. It's like the fan bases here like to feel like they are part of the team. And I think when players or teams realize that, um, you get that special connection. Gus Cagniel, our guest. Uh, and, I, you know, you touched on it briefly. People were like, why aren't you asking about the Durant room? The Durant rumor isn't. Yeah. It, it's it, So there are two teams he's interested in, but what the Nets are doing is they're trying to put word out there that there are more teams interested in him because they're trying to drive they're up just the trying price. To and they're trying to say, oh, the Pelicans, they could offer all this stuff, when in reality they're like, we'll take Evan Durant, but you ain't getting this. You know, you're not getting Ingram. You're not getting, <laughs> we'll give you some picks. Uh, and, of course, what, what the, I, Nets, the Nets, would, the Nets are show, like, no, we're not just, doing that. Just, but. Go, just go back to what um, David Griffin said at the end of the season in his end-of-the-year presser where he revealed that there were people that wanted guys that weren't playing on the bench for the Pelicans, like Billy Hernan Gomez and other players. And he said they were untradeable because of what they brought to the team as assets away from basketball, good teammates, you know, guys that people really responded to and stuff. If he's unwilling to trade Billy Hernan Gomez, you get what I'm getting at? Like, I don't see them blowing up. No, not at this what stage, not with their building. No, no, no. I, and Players, like I saw Thursday, just wanting to spend time together 
all for the hope that a guy that you cannot trust, I didn't say he can't play, I didn't say he's one of the best, because he is. But you don't know what that guy, if he comes here, first off, what makes you think he wants to come to New Orleans? I mean, he ain't happy in Brooklyn. He isn't happy in San Francisco. He isn't happy in big markets with organizations I've given them everything you want. You think he's going to be happy here? Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like when you read tweets and quotes and stuff like that, they are absolutely using social media uh, to try to help their cause somewhere else. Gus Cangill, our guest, will take a quick timeout when we come back. A little more from last night's corn porn field of dreams game, but a lot on the Saints. What is Gus looking for the most? What is he most curious? What is he most anxious to check out tomorrow night in the Saints preseason opener against the Texans? We'll talk about it next. So give me all you got Friday on the Great Scott Show. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. You, my friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. That was from the Field of Dreams game last night, the pregame, as Ken Griffey Jr. walks out of the cornfield with his dad, King Griffey Sr., who was sporting a red shirt. And, um, you know, again, presentation-wise, they just they know how to do it with that game. I, I Definitely a once-a-year thing. You don't want to overkill it. Try to find a better matchup, but I don't know, man. I, I mean, again, I, I could try to hate on it, but I mean, first of all, King Ruby Jr., the coolest player of all time. And then secondly, you know his dad, and dad, you want to have a catch? I, I don't know. I Come on. How can you not? And then we talked earlier about, you know, music impacting sports, and this isn't, you know, uh, the, I, I'll, I'll say this was live because this was filmed live. It wasn't like this was a pre-production thing. They walk out of there. They're playing the Field of, music, Field of Dreams music on the loudspeakers. Ah, I mean, I know we're about to talk Saints, Gus, but um, from a presentation standpoint, man, the, uh, the, the, the corn porn, the Field of Dream games, I can't hate on it. I mean, I know I said it earlier, but I got to say it again. Yeah, it's fantastic to realize they're the Cubs. But, I mean, you know, look, here's the thing. It was nice and early. Um, you know, the music, everything was great. And I don't know, it's, you know, one nothing, two nothing. Cubs, Reds, baby, yeah! Everybody, well, and okay, all right. That's your Cubbies, man. That's your Cubbies. Yeah. Look, it's nothing like having interest and then not even getting up the first inning and losing all interest. That's <laughs> Cubs baseball. Um, Gus is just, you know, it doesn't even matter what happened last night. He's just in that kind of mood when it comes to his Cubs. I'm gonna enjoy the Mets playing really well right now. 
all you listening. Maybe you'll enjoy preseason football. I always say that it's it's hard for me to enjoy Gus because it's like watching a horror movie that I hope nothing actually scary happens because I get nervous with the injuries. Sue me, all right? I just get nervous. Anytime a starter, a key player has just a regular football tackle, I'm like, oh, God, get up. Jameis Winston, right? He ain't playing, sprained his foot. You know, you, you have had some injuries in camp. Nothing overwhelming yet, which is a positive. Um, you know, I know Smoke Monday is on IR. That's unfortunate. Bryce Thompson, you know, uh, injury designation waived, all that. But I- I'm not trying to uh, poo-poo either thing. But what I'm telling you is Michael Thomas was looking great in camp, right? When you look at other areas, guys coming back, Davenport's now starting to get in the mix a little bit. And, and I, I, to this point, knock on wood, you know, other than Jameis Winston, which you wish he wouldn't miss any time. I mean, he needs the reps. He, he hadn't played in a game since last Halloween. But the optimistic point of view is, you know, it's just a mild sprain. So he'll be back soon. And they brought in another quarterback, so Dalton didn't have to take so many reps. But um, I'm, I'm rambling. Let me shut up for a minute and toss it to you. Tomorrow night, Saints at Houston against the Texans. What is the thing that Gus Kattengale is keeping the closest eye on. What are you most anxious to check out in preseason game number one of the Dennis Allen Saints regime? Look, I obviously think, you know, look, you get excited for, you know, the start of free agency, <laughs> legal tampering, free agency, the draft, OTAs, minigamps. Finally, the start of training camp. Now, you know, this is the next set of bring back football already, next preseason. And as you mentioned, it's been interesting because when you look at the last 10, 15 years, I think preseason, it's had different meanings to it and different uh, importance levels of it. And, you know, you get to, hey, let's figure out what kind of football team this sort of is. We've seen bad preseasons where the Saints didn't win a game. And, you know, famously in 06, as Breeze mentioned, he didn't think they would win a game based on how they played in preseason and wound up going to the NFC Championship game. They had preseasons where they looked great and started out 0-4, 1-5 at 79 preseason. So then you move to the preseasons where they're so dang good, just nobody get hurt, you know, kind of preseasons where you're not going to see any starters. And those were the longest because there were four back then, Scott, and you had to sit through four games of just painful Painful football, but I think it's a combination of all of that, but can somewhat still be of interest. I'm not going to call it entertaining because it will be what it is in the first two preseason games and even in the third one in the third and fourth quarter, right? I mean, they're the bottom of the rosters and things of that nature. We can talk it up and say, well, hey, you know, this guy is trying to make a job and check and the team and all that. I legitimately think, though, what, what helps it is when you see some of the, I guess, areas that I will be paying attention to, I, I think there's a legitimacy as to why. And I'll start, even though I know I think a lot of people want to go with the backfield. I'll do that next. But my first area to start with is the offensive line and defensive line. And the reason I say that is you can't really tell what a guy can do practice on the line. Yeah, you know, you see a little bit more physicality when there's, um, you know, padded practices and stuff. But, I mean, 
okay, so Trevor Penning can shove some guys and there's some punches. So can he block anybody? You know, I, I see James Hurst as the more polished pro, but the last two practices I saw this week on Wednesday and Thursday, either Carl Granderson's going for a 20-sack season or, you know, with Peyton Turner. I mean, like, there's a lot of guys that have shined at that right defensive end position. Are they good or is James Hurst a backup left tackle? And because if the Saints' right defensive end keep having the amount of success they're having, it's one or the other. They have a ludicrous amount of talent at right defensive end or left tackle is about to be a concern. So, you know, you keep hearing from players, Cam Jordan, coaches like Dennis Allen and others saying, look, you know, Trevor Penning is by the day improving, by the week improving. So let's see, he's got three games. That's a guy that, that's how you'll be able to tell. Can he, can he do a game without getting a 15-yarder? Can he, you know, pass protect? Yeah. Run yeah. I mean, I mean, those are things that... That's what I, that's me. I, that's know, number one on my list is Trevor Penning, for sure. Yeah, yeah for sure. And, you know, because you, you can't tell until he drives and blocks somebody else. Um, same thing with, you know, the other guys in the O-line, which you want to give a, a little play to, but because of numbers... You know, they may have to take some snaps, but, you know, Cesar Ruiz has had a nice camp, man. A lot of people keep referencing him. So, you know, let's just see the O-line have a, a, a nice drive or two with Andy Dalton and then, you know, see uh, and put in these other guys and let them get some, some work. Same with the D-line, you know. you Peyton Turner's healthy. Let, let's see what he can do. We've seen him flash, but, um, you know, can, can he uh, do it in the game a little bit more, even though I know he's good and stuff, but – you know, with the injuries that the team has somewhat had, you kind of wonder, you know, how much some of these starters and veterans are going to see. But the offensive line to me is something kind of I want to keep an eye on more than anything else. And then um, the backfield, you know, I mean, Coach Allen even said it by name on Thursday. Um, it's not that you don't know who Alvin Kamara and, and Mark Ingram are going to be, but it's, you know, a situation where you'll see the other guys, and it's, you know, again, I, I said before to you, you know, on our show and on yours, dude, you're not, you know, going to need that third or fourth running back in order to win games or not, you know. Um, but you may need them in order to help, you know, if you ever get to the point where you're, you're worried that Tony Jones is your primary back. I mean, we, we've had COVID take out the entire receiving unit. I mean, you know, all of that. But look, again, why am I watching? I'm watching because that's a battle. I honestly couldn't tell you um, who that third running back is because everyone that I ask is different. You know, I would say right now, Tony Jones Jr. for me, I know a lot of people want it to be Abram Smith. Um, some think it'll be him because the other guys are veterans. You have to pay them the better minimum. Abrams is cheaper. I think the Saints go with the better player especially because of the unknown of Kamara and the possible suspension or not and injuries and age for Ingram. So I think you go with the better back, but I don't know. I, I honestly, no, none of them have, you know, stood out like a neon sign. Oh my goodness, that guy, you know? And Scott, the main reason isn't really them. And I just kind of quickly want to say why I say that. 
because Ross Jackson and I talked about it actually on our show on Thursday. It's because the Saints are passing the football all over the place, dude. And it, it is kind of making people remember what it was like a couple years ago when you had a quarterback that can push the ball down the field. You have a number of receivers that are capable of catching, spreading the field, running slants and routes and comebacks and digs and posts and all that. You can do a lot more. And, you know, I, I kind of made it a point of emphasis to talk about it on Thursday because I, I still think there's some <clears throat> people that, you know, feel Pete Carmichael is going to not be able to raise his voice enough to, you know, to call a player to have some of these guys. No, he'll, um, he'll be, he'll be fine. Like to, this is do all these other, yeah, you know, Carmichael will be fine. You know, Here's what we didn't fine. get it. Like there was a moment in time, Gus, where I was concerned. Cause it's like, wait, he doesn't want the OC job. Like what's happening. He, I think now, having the information that we have now about Miami's desire to get Sean Payton, I think Pete might have just been waiting to see if he might go with him potentially. And so he didn't really want to say anything or commit to anything. And then when the dust settled, he's like, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'm not going anywhere. Give me the OC job. It was kind of mine to lose anyway, right? Um, Good point. Yeah, Good I, point. I think, I think the he'll settle with Sean Payton. And yeah. you never know. You know, yeah. you wonder if he gets called, but. I'll say this, man, and I don't know, obviously, what's going to happen as the season goes, but, man, the potential that I see on this team, this team scores, wins the division, Winston becomes a quarterback that throws for three to 4,000 yards, and, you know, Thomas looks like Thomas and all that. It's going to directly be tied to really him. He's the play caller. It's no longer Sean Payton's the offensive genius and mastermind. Um, he'll get a lot of credit. You'll wonder if, you know, a guy that nobody's really ever looked at as a head coach. He's had a few interviews here or there, but they, they didn't go but anywhere. I mean, yeah. They didn't go anywhere. You know what I mean. Yeah. No, I, I, I definitely see where you're going. If there's a lot of success this year, that def- and what do the what do teams like to do? They like to hire good OCs. It's definitely a trend. But Well remember, especially if you uh, if you know little Shawnee McVeigh. Yeah. If you I'm, if you wiped his nose and you held the Kleenex, you're good enough to be an offensive coordinator and a head coach. ESPN Lafayette, the best. Can you tell I don't like the guy? I literally, I can't stand the guy. Did you hear? I'm going to send you the clip. You've got to play it for your listeners. You've got to play it for your listeners. His thing about Matt Stafford and putting our nuts on the table. No, 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 no. The absolute adulation. It's, It's not even that I can't stand him. It's the way he's covered as if he is single handedly. The one person that invented offensive football. There is no such person as Bill Walsh. Bill Belichick's a terrible co- Like He is the greatest human being to coach football in the history of the game. And when I send you the Diana Rossini soundbite from this week, where I, I was embarrassing. I mean, she's like, I don't even know how he lives. Like, where does he find the energy? He just so much grit. I mean, it's nauseating. Absolutely nauseating. And let me tell you what he's done. What he's done is he got into the right spot with an organization and ownership that goes out and tries to get everybody else's top player in a position, regardless of the draft picks. They will trade away all their picks or their best players and pray to baby you-know-who that they can win with that. And they barely won last year. And they barely got into the postseason. Well, they last did. Year. They did. And the, the, the great McVay, who, 
he got rid of his quarterback because he couldn't develop it, right? I mean, and, and golf. So stop it. I mean, just stop listen, it. listen, he, listen. He's a he's a he's a good bike. coach. He's play the bike. He's a good offensive mind. His team last year, in terms of uh, offense, in terms of total yards of offense, was third in their own division. I mean, there now they won the Super Bowl and they deserve Ask all the credit. Question. But you know, it wasn't like Amazing they broke records. Offensive mind in the world. Yeah, they did. They didn't break any Aaron records. Aaron Donald isn't on that team. Are they the same? No, but look, I, I'm okay. not trying to hate on the guy. I but I agree with I'm you just, that that the, um, the you know the the, the salivate the slobbering of him needs to. Just, you know, let, let's cut back just a little. The greatest okay? offensive mind the well, game silly. has ever seen. Are that's silly. The, he's he's far from it. I mean, look, if they go out and have the number one <laughs> offense this year and break records and win another Super Bowl, sure, I'll hear it. They were third in their division last year in offense. Third in their division. So yeah. Uh, it, it, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. All right, my friend. Uh, guys, go follow Gus if you're not already at GCAT underscore 17 at GKATT underscore 17. Saints preseason football tomorrow night. We'll talk about it next week. But my thing is just get out of it without any significant injuries. That's number one on my list. Number two, you mentioned it, Trevor Penning. And number three, linebacker. Um, they they got a serious depth problem there, and I want to see as many guys in there as possible and really see how they do just in the open field. I know it's just preseason, but I don't care what the final score is, but I want to see hopefully some semblance of strength there because right now it's it's turning into one of my bigger worries on this football team. I I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. I think that is, you know, by all accounts, that position group is uh, weak. And, you know, again, I, you know, you're watching Bond do some side work this week. And, you know, regardless, th- those are, those are serviceable guys that'll help you on special teams can play with you um, on this defense because they are surrounded by a really good defensive line and a really good secondary. If they were weak at any of those two positions, they may be calling and trading for Roquan Smith. And I know a lot of, Callers this week wanted that for the Saints. Look, the guy's looking for eighteen, nineteen million. Not yeah, you can't you, know, you can't do that. It's, that, that, it's not, you don't have a first round pick. And the position isn't the Olave, value so, that it used oh, to yeah. be. You know, if you're in the if you're Demario Davis, yeah, he's a great player, but he's just I mean, he's at the wrong position if he's looking for the gigantic payday right now in today's yeah. NFL. It's just the reality of where right. things have gone. Appreciate the time, my friend. Uh, enjoy the game tomorrow. Enjoy the weekend. And I don't know why you're hating on your Cubs. They got off to a great start last night, but since they've been terrible all season, I, I understand that when I just bring them up, you kind of just go into pain. I can't explain it. I mean, it just it is what it is. They were in they were in the field of dreams. All right, I'll leave you be. That's Gus Gagnell. Gus, man, we'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it, my friend. Not a problem, man. Take care. All right, wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait, Gus. Hang on. Sorry. Before I let you go. I have found the audio that that apparently has you up in um, in a tizzy. I'm just Diana Rossini. T- I haven't heard it yet. This is Diana Rossini talking about okay. about Sean McVay. I've covered Sean for over a decade now, and he is such a grinder that I actually believed those rumors that he was willing to walk away from coaching. Not because I question his passion at all. He he has tons of it. Uh, it's just I I know how much he puts into it and. It's almost superhero-like to put that much into into a career and be able to just live and and, and have a family and and function. Uh, so I just think the fact that he's found this 
sort of resurgence after winning a Super Bowl now and wants to stay coaching. And I think it's it's huge because, you know, he could go down as being one of the, one of the greatest coaches. A superhero that doesn't sleep. Wow. I, 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 again, I don't know where he finds the energy to live. Where does he find the energy to live? Hey, good for him. I'm not even going to get Remember, for him. though, next time good for him. Grinder, you grinder, you have to do it like that. Grinder. Grinder. That, I, I, hey, you know Again. What? Again. I mean. Gus, I, you I, know what? Let's just. I don't know how he right. does it. The leave, passion. Leave no one has been more passionate as a head coach in the national football league. The, the word I've covered Sean for over a decade now, and he is such a grinder that I actually believe those rumors that he was willing to walk away from coaching, not because I question his passion at all. He, he has tons of it. Uh, it's just I, I know how much he puts into it, and it's almost superhero-like to put that much into, into a career and be able to just live. And- <laughs> Dude, I, again, I rest my face. I, I, and he is such a grinder. All right. Why? All right. Yeah. On that note, my that's, friend, that's I, a new clip. I, I will let hey. you run, man. Hey, dude, I appreciate it. I'll uh, I just just get yeah. some sleep. Continue. I, keep that energy so you can at least live. Yeah, I, again, I, apparently I don't put in enough passion into my career because I sleep just well and enjoy my favorite time in my friendship with you. Maybe I need to grind a little more. So this really isn't about Sean McVay. It sounds like you just you just have, you know, you're upset about Diana Rossini. Apparently she just got it. Oh, understand. everyone talks about him like that. That's <laughs> all about Sean McVay. All right, brother. I'm going to let you go. That is Gus Cagliar, Stacey Pelicans correspondent. We'll talk next Air, week. He drinks his coffee, have a good one. five mochaccinos. I mean, really? Do we re- are we really counting how many Starbucks he has before 6 a.m.? Who cares, dude? This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. ESPN, K-P-E-L, Lafayette. There's your legal ID. We are just past 8 o'clock here on the Great Scott Show. Coming up next hour, we'll talk more about last night's Hall of Fame. Excuse me, Hall of Fame. Last night's uh, Field of Dreams game. But really, it's, it's all about that presentation before the game. The pregame is where it's at, right? been a player, arguably an athlete, cooler than King Griffey Jr. Well done, Major League Baseball. Hey, Dad. You want to have a catch? I'd like that. It's great stuff. It's great stuff. Great stuff.
ESPN Lafayette. More on the Hall of Fame game, some things that stood out aside from just the corn and the King Griffey Jr. and the music. And we'll get into that. Player interviews with some Raging Cajuns, Peter LeBlanc, A.J. Gilly, the strongest player on the team, Carlos Rubio, Chris Moncrief, I think Eric Gare as well. We'll see how many of those we can get into. We'll have open phone lines. Your thoughts on the Field of Dreams. Why did I say Hall of Fame game? The Field of Dreams game and uh, Saints preseason game. What is it? What's your number one storyline? What is the number one thing you are most anxious to check out and why? Hit me up at ESPN Lafayette on Twitter. Email us, scott at ESPNLafayette.com. Or if you're listening via the stream on the app, you can message us right there on the app if you want to get into it. Let us know how you're feeling, what you're checking out. More of the Great Scott Show coming your way on this. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! Give me all you got Friday. Don't go anywhere. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Give me all you got Friday. Phone lines are open, 337-269-1077. Field of Dreams. Someone got upset that I was referring to it as corn porn. They said that was offensive. Well, sorry. Corn porn. Some also thought that Harry Carey was offensive. I mean, well, a lot of people thought that Harry Carey was actually offensive whenever he was alive. But the comedian and sportscaster who sang, you know, take me out to the ball game. Take me out to the ball game before every, well, during every seventh inning stretch at Wrigley Field for Cubs games for many years. And for those that, you know, look, some of you might not have been paying attention and even know that the Field of Dreams game was going to be on last night. And then maybe you looked on social media and you're like, oh, look, look at all these cornfields and old baseball uniforms. That's cool. It looks cool. But if baseball is going to like go all in with celebrating their history, they probably shouldn't. No, I have no problem with them doing a Harry Carey hologram. I don't care. But you, know, you probably you don't want to have like a Ty Cobb hologram where he's out there starting fights with everybody and 
is upset that Satchel Paige is in the Hall of Fame and, you know, Ty's out there doing offensive things. Celebrating the great history of baseball. It's cool. The Field of Dreams game is cool. And the hologram got mixed reviews. Um, you know, I, I think we need a, 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 a Tupac, Harry Carey duet. Just a hologram duet somehow. Wouldn't that be something? Hot dogs. Really, they should have just had Will Ferrell in there doing it. But journalist Timothy Burke on Wednesday tweeted out, word is that the Fox is going to use a hologram of Harry Carey and that it's unrealistic and possibly offensive. Which drummed up some interest and people like, are they going to do it? And then Fox teased it and then, yeah, they did it. And it was... You know, if 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 you haven't seen it or if you want to see some of the reaction, you want to see it again, at some point, go to the ESPN Lafayette app or ESPNLafayette.com and, and, and judge for yourself. Because the audio doesn't really do it justice. I mean, it's a hologram. You got to see the hologram. For what it's worth, this is what it sounded like. Let me hear you. Harry Carey, because it's an old recording of Harry Carey. So, of course, it sounds like him, because it did. The question is, did it look like him, and is it okay to have holograms of deceased? Like, I don't I don't know the backstory, if they talked to his family or what. But it was, I mean, the reaction was all over the place. From this is offensive to this is awful to this is amazing. But the jokes that came with it were great. Scary carry. There is something a little creepy about holograms, I'll be honest. It's a little creepy. But I'm not offended. I'm not. Quarter after the hour, 337-269-1077 coming at you on a Friday. Also, Bill Russell, number six, retired throughout the NBA. If anybody wants to chime in on that, we can hit on that as well. Peter LeBlanc, my conversation with the Razor Cage wide receiver coming your way. Just a couple of minutes. In the meantime... Let's head to the phone lines. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Hello. Hey. Hey, hey. what's up? Good morning. Welcome in. Hi. Um, no, I don't like it. I think it's a fake gesture, uh, but that's a whole other conversation. Uh, I'm talking about the uh, Bill Russell. Oh, uh, the number be, six. I, I got you. Yes. I think You're it's talking fake. about the hologram for a second. Well, that's... <laughs> no. Uh, speaking of that, baseball blew it once again. Instead of, uh, I think they should have went left, right? Instead of uh, bringing out King Griffey Jr. and King Griffey Sr., they should have brought out Pete Rose uh, Sr. and Pete Rose Jr. Is Pete Rose Sr. alive? 
Pete Rose, like the baseball player. The way, he was just in Philadelphia for the nineteen eighty. Oh, oh, so that's Pete Rose. So who's Pete Rose Jr.? His son played baseball for like a one, two, three games. Oh, I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that. No, you don't remember that? Pete Rose Sr. would have just charged too much. <laughs> like, Pete, <laughs> we're just, willing, we're, I mean, obviously, I know you're joking. We know baseball would never, ever, ever put him on like that. But, um, you know, if if Major League Baseball decided, hey, you were on the Reds, let's let's let bygones be bygones. Pete would be like, sure, but, you know, you gotta got to pay me five mil, sweetheart. Uh, he would never do something like that. Unless you could get a whole bunch of money out of it. Um, now, what about, could you see a Sandlot theme? Yeah, Sandlot. yes, but I think... Like putting up a stadium in an urban area, like seven, 8,000 people. I think it would be cool. I know Harold Reynolds wants to, to, to go... Um, to he like they're renovating one of the old stadiums that was used in the uh the Negro League ballparks like a long time ago and he I think it's it it's called like um Hinchliffe Stadium or something. It's in Patterson, New Jersey, and it's one of the, the, the last ballparks of that kind that's still there. Uh and they're doing a big renovation to it, so it would kind of lose the impact of being small i want to say they're renovating it to like ten thousand seats or something but reynolds is pushing hard to have a field of dream style game there will it happen no i mean i I guess it could but that wouldn't that wouldn't really be a a sandlight sandlot type of game um yeah it'd be cool i mean i i i think I, i i think what's working for baseball right now is they've only done this game twice and I think if they start if they start overdoing it, it's gonna lose its it's gonna lose its appeal. It really is. Um, you know, and to your point, maybe even I think I think once a year is okay, but even if it was like an every other year or every few years thing, that would be good. If they start overdoing it and trying to do copycat stuff, I just don't know if it would work. I, I think it would feel like overkill, it wouldn't feel as genuine. You know, once a year having Tom Rinaldi cosplay like he's a journalist from 100 years ago with the old uniforms and, you know, walking out of the cornfields. There's something, there is something cool about it. Yeah, hey, man, I could, um, you was talking to uh, Gus, Gus about the whole how you can't stand Sean McVay, but I kind of agree with you. I think it was most, mostly the reporter, how she was reading it. And, and, you know, I think the way how she was putting extras on it. Right, that was... Kind of made something. that story more than what it is. Huh? You know, it, it's... I, I think Gus gets annoyed by, you know, the... Um, how the media is... I mean, I think you emailed me. You're like, sure, he's the greatest coach of all time until he loses a game. And, and all the legacy talk that drives us crazy. It's <laughs> like, people are just prisoners of the moment. And McVeigh is a, is a good coach, but... Uh, and a Super Bowl winner. I mean, I'm I'm not going to – he's a good coach. He's good offensive mind. But, you know, if if the national media is going over the top, calling him, you know, the greatest offensive mind ever or something, yeah, that's dumb. But I, I don't hear that stuff because I just – I don't really watch the national stuff too much. Yeah. Um, hey, man, you know it's a crazy situation in, um, in the National Football League? I think um, – of course, that's why they drafted him. But I'm not saying anything. You know, I'm not at the moment, prisoner moment. I think you have to watch out for the Titans in a sense. 
I know they're a playoff team. What I'm saying is a situation where, you know, like Seattle brought in Matt Flynn. I know Tannehill been there. But I can see the players rallying behind Malik Willis for some reason. He, he I mean, it was just preseason opener, but he was he was electric in a couple of those plays last night. Um, yeah, I, I think it, he's just one of those type happen. of players where players where players kind of rally behind. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know. You know, I don't want to get caught up. You know, like you said, this man just a rookie. And the, and the difference was, I mean, they had signed Flynn at the same time. Tannehill's been there a few years, and it's not a $10 million deal. It was like a 90-something million dollar deal, which shouldn't matter, but, you know, it all depends on who your owner is. And I wouldn't describe Titans' ownership as one of the more upstanding in the league. You know, um, and I'm sure the situation with Tannehill, you know, of course he's going to start this year, of course. Um, that playoff game, man. Like, <laughs> I'm sure that's the way they lost that game or the way, you know, given opportunity after opportunity and then they take advantage of it. One and um, done. One and done. One of the weaker one seeds we've had in recent memory. Wait, what's that? The Titans. They're one of the weaker one seeds we've had in recent memory in the NFL playoffs. Yeah. I mean, look yeah, at the AFC. Yeah, Is uh, anyone you know, say, does anyone man, think the Titans are going to be the hold, best hold team in the AFC? But hold up, you know what I like? I was thinking to myself, like, like watching. <clears throat> who thought that Derrick King was going to go in there and just rush for one fifty something? He's just coming off an injury. Oh, I Derek, thought that was kind of weird. Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry's good once he gets moving. The Titans, the Titans are they're good. They're just I don't I don't think of them as a contender. I don't. No, no, I, you're right. You're you know right. they, not, they they play they play they play in the AFC South, which is a, a bad division. Uh, certainly, it was last year. Uh, you, know? you can't you can't sleep on the Colts, man. I don't <laughs> I don't know, man. No, I mean the Colts are fine, but the Texans and Jags are awful. You know, you got two of the worst teams in the league in your division. Uh, Doug Peterson, I, I think um, I was talking to my uh, one of my brothers about this. Um, he felt all oh, sad that Doug Peterson got another chance. I was like, well, man, he kind of got screwed over, though, in Philadelphia. You know, I think uh, this situation might be a little bit different. Well, and it wasn't like, it wasn't, I mean, they were in the playoffs last year. You know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like Doug Peterson, you know, went some, I mean, this isn't Adam Gase, right? Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl. He got into it with ownership. They were still winning games. I mean, no one thought they'd be a playoff team last year. I didn't. I mean, he, um, no, I, I think Doug Peterson's a good coach. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, like I said, I don't, like you said, I don't, I'm a, it's crazy how the national media, man, before Trevor Lawrence was picked, oh, you know, he's, he's going to be one of the greatest. You don't hear that too much. So, uh, you know, I want, I want to see how it's going to happen, what's going to happen with him uh, this year under Peterson. I, I give them about two, three more years, though, and they're, they're going to be right up there. What will his legacy be? We'll see. Who? Trevor Lawrence. What will his legacy be if he if they start out 0-3? What will his legacy be? 0-3? 0-3. What if they start, start out 0-3? The, uh, what will his legacy comparison. be? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. that, that, coming up uh, next on First Take. Heath Shuler. Heath Shuler. <laughs> God. Everybody started talking about Heath Shuler. I, I don't know. But the funniest thing I've ever heard no no ma. Let me let me stop being messy. But look, you have a um Have a good week, man. Thank you, AJ. Thank you. Appreciate the call. Legacy.
What does it mean to Doug Peterson's legacy as the Jaguars have gotten off to an 0-4 start? Up next on Undisputed, why it's LeBron James's fault that the Houston Texans are 2-8. and eight. Skip, no skip. I didn't even watch the show, but I just feel, I, I'm telling you, I know the formula. Mm-hmm. How Baker Mayfield is impacting two teams he's never played for. 25 after the hour. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Joshua emails. Scott, I don't get it. Why are people offended by holograms? If I die, I hope there's a hologram at my own funeral. That'd be kind of weird, dude. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm with you. I, I don't get offended by holograms. I don't. But that'd be kind of weird. At your own funeral? I don't know. Yeah. Hey, guys. What if Harry Carey had at his own funeral? Hey, guys. There's some food in the back. In the break room. Get you a hot dog. Peter LeBlanc, major Cajun wide receiver. My combo with him right after this. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best team. This is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. You, my friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Body moving, body moving, we be body moving, body moving, body moving, body moving, we be body moving. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Want to give me all you got Friday? Promise. Rage the Cajun player interviews. Wide receiver Peter LeBlanc from New Iberia. Sat down with him as they were beginning camp. They're now a week into it. But uh, a playmaker, a guy that's been heavily involved in the offense for years now. Still kind of getting used to the media thing, but uh, he was a nice guy. Enjoy talking to him. Here you go. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Frave, the Rage Cajun wide receiver, Peter LeBlanc, sitting with me. You know, you've been here long enough now that I guess you're, you're kind of used to media, but some players enjoy it more than others. Is it? Is it something that, you know, you get as part of the job, but it's, it's not your favorite thing to do? Uh, that you probably hit it right on the nail right there, yeah. I don't mind it. I'll do it, but uh, I'd rather just let other guys do the talking, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you know, but whenever you play a lot, you're a guy that gets a lot of requests. You've played a lot since you've been here, you know, since your freshman year. You've been a part of the offense. 
What, what do you think the biggest change is going to be with the offense this year? I mean, Duke quarterback, obviously, that's the one to point to. But outside of that, do you expect any big changes in the offense just in terms of the system? Uh, I don't think there'll be too many big changes. Um, you know, Des is a we, he's an in-house guy, so I think he knows what's going to work. Um, he's going to know what's you know what wins. So I think we're keeping a lot of this stuff the same and changing things where we need to change it. But uh, for the most part, I think it'll be pretty much the same. You know, you being from New Iberia and playing here is is there a part of you that just loves kind of being close to home? Is that something that you know you think about much when you're playing? Uh, definitely. Uh, I was actually it's funny you asked because where the wide receivers sit, like on the sidelines, um, my parents are literally like right above me so like every time I, I come on the field I look up and just kind of give them a wave and know that they're there and then uh, you know you look across and see the student section and like all my friends from high school are there and it, it kind of calms you down but at the same time it gets you hyped up because I mean you have a lot of people supporting you it's, it's always a special deal so you ever get nervous when you play to be honest the only time I've ever gotten nervous was like the first jamboree I played in in high school for some reason, since then, I, I, I haven't gotten too nervous, but um, I think it's just, I get I get excited for sure, but after that first whistle, you know, I, I'll, be, I'll be fine. It's just kind of business as usual. So, what, which, in a perfect world, what's Peter LeBlanc like on game day before the snap? You're able, to, I mean, is it, are you hyped? Are you calm? How would you describe it? Um, I'd say I try to keep it pretty even kill. I think, um, you know, if I get too excited, I get out of my my zone and, and um, I just get I just try to do too much. But uh, if I stay kind of even kill and just stay myself, I think uh, that's when I'm thinking straight and that's when I, I play the best. So, Chandler Fields have been Walrich. That's a question I'm sure people have asked you about. How would you describe each of them? Just as a guy that's caught passes from them, I know they're both friends, but they're both competing for the starting job. What's it like as a receiver? How would you describe each one? Definitely. Um, you know, I'm, I'm good friends with both of them, and uh, it's fun to watch them kind of compete. You know, it, it, you don't root for one guy, but you root for you know what's who's going to be the best option, and um, it's pretty fun because they are both ultra competitive guys. So that, I mean, they they do all the extra work, they they compete during practice, but they have fun with it at the same time. So good stuff. The wide receiving group, a lot of depth, right? That was the case last year. That's the case again this year. On one hand, someone would say, oh, there's a lot of mouths to feed. On the other, they'd say, that's a lot of experience. That's a good thing. How do you guys compete with one another while also maintaining, you know, good relationships? But you all want to be out there playing. Definitely. Uh, you know, I think that's another thing about the wide receiver room that's great. Uh, we have a lot of depth, but at the same time, we all have a good relationship with each other. We all kind of help each other, you know, ask each other questions. Did I, How was my release right here? How was the top of my route right there? And... Um, I think we're quick to give, you know, help to others. But then at the same time, I mean, it's super competitive. Everybody wants to play. But I think we keep it keep it pretty uh, fun out there. So There you go. What, what's – whenever you guys are at practice, I mean, it, it, is there music playing? And if so, who, who has control of the playlist? It's <laughs> a great question. Uh, it depends when we have music playing, you know, because sometimes we try to get uh, – we try to get everybody up to date, like it's freshmen and stuff. There's music playing; they might get a little lost during uh, practice. But um, once we get a little more comfortable, I think there'll be music. And you know, I'm really not sure who's on playlist. 
but every now and then they'll play a good song and it's, it gets a lot of fun, you know. <laughs> every now and then. So you, that means you don't really approve of the playlist all the time. Well, personally, I just, I like country and rock, you know, <laughs> and they're not playing country and rock out there. So every now and then I'll get a song I like. <laughs> every now and then, give, just throw Peter a bone, man. Just yeah. let him let him pick one on the playlist. Oh, ACDC or something. Yeah. Oh, he wants some old Thunderstruck <laughs> to get him fired up. Yeah. You mean like these guys don't all like Thunderstruck? I mean, what? Uh, you know, I don't think they would mind it if they really, yeah. you know, listen to it. But it's not bad. Hell's bells, you know. It's it's it can get you fired up. It gets the blood going a little bit. It's funny. I, I always ask people when they call my show their favorite Beastie Boys song, but when I do that for a lot of guys your age or players. I have no idea who that is. That's what I get a lot. I mean, you know who the Beastie Boys are? I don't think no. I do. There I don't do. I mean, they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but really? yeah. But they also did some rap and hip hop and rock yeah. and all that. But no, it's funny. It's people, you know, they come to my house, they're like, Scott, play something else. That's probably what you feel like in practice, huh? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Peter LeBlanc has been our guest. Uh, what's What's been your favorite moment from your career thus far? Shoot, I think it has to be uh, winning the Sun Belt Championship. That was the most adrenaline I've ever had. That was the most fun I've ever had. I, I did get injured during it, but after you know we won it, we sealed the deal. Uh, just the the confetti coming down and being on the stage and everything, it was it was so much fun. We put all that work in, and it showed, it you know it paid off, and you could see it instantly. It was just it was great. And that's the goal this year, right? Is winning the Sun Belt. Absolutely, absolutely. Go two years in a row. Peter LeBlanc has been our guest. You did great, man. I don't understand why you don't like this media stuff. You did fine. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I, I'm not bad at it, but I'd rather just not. <laughs> yeah, like I'd rather you just leave me alone. It's all good, man. I appreciate you taking the time, and good luck this season. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. There is Peter LeBlanc. One more for you. Missed last year with an injury. So much talk about the offensive line. Carlos Rubio. ESPN Lafayette. We're visiting with Rage Cajun offensive lineman Carlos Rubio. Um, some were saying, I, I don't want to say a forgotten man, but like not being there last year and then folks start breaking down. Oh, the Cajun O-line, not as much experience. And it's like, well, you know, wait a minute. Carlos was a former starter. So how are you feeling health-wise? I feel good. I feel like I'm ready to I'm ready ready to go out there and I'm ready to contribute to the team honestly I'm ready I'm ready to play honestly I'm really excited like I, I don't think I've ever felt like this before you know I just can't wait to be out there like you said it's been the whole year you know I've obviously you know have done drills done everything but you can't you can't really like uh I, I would say like you can't mimic the game of sure. football so yeah. like we're, we're gonna see I guess you could say being away for a year gave you a, an even deeper appreciation of it definitely most definitely did once you're away from the game man you really sit down and you really realize it's like, man, I miss it. Like, you know, when you're there, like, you know, it's hard. You, you may be complaining. Like, when you're, when you're out of it, man, that's when you really realize how much you miss the game. Right, right. No doubt. Uh, Carlos Rubio, I guess. So, you know, when it comes to the O-line, folks can – folks that are on the inside, right, you look at a sheet of paper, you say, okay, who's coming back? And you look at different units, and you say, well, there's some new starters here. There's some maybe not as much experience as our positions. I was just talking to Chandler Fields. He said, I got full confidence in the O-line. 
Well, A.J. Gailey feels confident, but from the outside, folks might say, I want to wait and see. How confident are you guys? How would you grade you guys as a unit? I'm very confident. I mean, I would. I don't grade. The offensive line to me isn't graded from the perspective of who's coming back as a starter, who's coming back as a maybe even an All-American. I really wouldn't care about any of that. I would say it's more of the bond and the leadership. As, you know, I played with guys like Robert Hunt, and Kevin Dotson, Max Mitch, all these guys that are in the NFL right now. And those attributes were all like, it was guys that were great leaders, guys that could, that could bring up those young guys, guys that didn't play. Like, if, for example, some guy we get off the street, I feel as if that guy had the attributes and the, the, the mindset, leadership can make him a capable offensive lineman. That's how, I, that's how I have my mindset about it. And I think there are great leaders in the room, like you said, David Hudson, AJ Gilly, and myself. And I feel as if we, we, we bring those guys up and we're going to be ready for the season. Is, is AJ Gilly the strongest player on the team? Arguably, I mean, he would tell you that. Yeah, he did tell me that. But a few other people <laughs> told me that too, though. He is pretty strong. I always say that he is pretty strong. He, we call him a uh, fire hydrant legs. Yeah, things are big, man. Street trucks. Street trucks. Yeah. He. Um, I, I feel like every old lineman I ask, run block or pass block, they all say they all say run block. Yeah. Why why run block? I mean, look, you're going to do both, but what, what is it about run blocking that an old lineman just loves? There's nothing better than putting the guy on their back, like physically imposing your will on somebody. You know, you, I mean, you could do it in pass blocking, but of course, in run blocking, you know, it's a, it's a more for aggressive. I would, pass blocking is passive, but, you know, you get more into it when you're run blocking. It's harder to pancake a guy when you're pass blocking? Technically, yes. Right, yeah. right. There's just, the, you're, you're, it's a different style. You're going style. backwards while a grown man's running forward at you. So. Right. There's just uh, well, when you when you got the lead, and uh, you know, Coach Gerald Broussard, who calls games on the radio, who used to play on the O line, he just describes it as when the big men get lathered up up front, that's when it's a good day. Right, right. Um, I, you know, Chris Smith is back, but you can have some other you know new backs. Some have a little experience, not a ton. But looking at Chris Smith, a guy with that experience that can hit the hole, what's the synergy like between the O-line and him? I feel like he's really found – he's always been a great player, obviously, but I feel like he's really embraced the leadership role this year. He's the older guy now. He usually had, a, as you know, amazing people in front of him. Those guys are great athletes, great leaders, and I feel like he's really embraced that role. He's really taken it upon himself to bring up those younger guys, and I feel like that made him a better player. You know, once you're a leader and you've got younger guys dependent on you, you really can't mess up. You have to be in the front of the line. You, have, you can't be late to meetings. You have to be on time for everything. You know what I'm saying? He's really been a, been a master of his craft. And, you know, he, he loves to hunt and fish. He does. Andre Jones said he used to, but not so much anymore. Who, who's who's the most country player on the team? Well, I would, well, Chris Smith was my roommate for a while, so I know exactly how country he is. But there's a list of people, man. Uh, the, in the running back room, there's another one. Uh, <laughs> I got I <laughs> we call him Drill. Yeah, that's his name. But like, he's a running back. He's from uh, Karen Croy out here from Lafayette. That dude, is, you can barely understand him when he talks. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's bad. I mean, he's a, he's a true country guy. You know, all the people ride horses and all that. I never really got into that. Big AJ Gillies a pretty a pretty country guy too. But if I had to, if I had to pass the throne to somebody, it'd probably I, I was I would say either him or uh, AJ Riley. That's one of the great things about a locker room, right? You get all these different individuals from different cultures, and you throw them together, and you know you all get one goal. But there's not that many places in the world like that. You know what I mean? It's it's rare. That's one of the great things about football. 
It's true. It's an amazing thing. It's actually, honestly, beautiful. You wouldn't see it anywhere else, really. Right. 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 You might go to, say, a casino, and there are people from all these different backgrounds there, but they're not working together. Right. You know, they're all kind of looking out for their own thing. and They're trying to win their own money. They're not trying right. to all win money together. That's right. Uh, no, man, It's that's that's one of the great things about sports. And in football, the locker room is just it's so big. So, uh, man, I know, I know you got fall camp starting, but you look like you're ready to start hitting some people now. So good luck, and, um, you know, I'm glad you're healthy and continued success, man, and uh, we'll talk to you later this season. I appreciate that. Thank you. Nice talking to you. Carlos Rubio. Enjoyed that. 44 after the hour. <clears throat> it's coming. 22 days away. From the Cajuns kicking off their season, 30 day, 23 days away from LSU kicking off their season, 30 days away from the Saints kicking off their season, although we have Saints preseason for you. Tomorrow, pregame at 5, kickoff at 7 o'clock, Saints at Texans. With football in the air, that means tailgating is close as well. And let me tell you something. The ultimate tailgate party is the ultimate prize. Trust me, we've been giving away this sucker for years, and one lucky fan gets to be the king of the tailgate. Because ESPN Lafayette, UL Athletics, and Fizo's Seafood Steakhouse Oyster Bar and Catering, we team up for that ultimate tailgate package. The tailgating for 50 you get 50 tickets to the game. Homecoming's October 1st. You get a prime tailgating spot. And Fizos does the rest. They provide the tent, the tables, the chairs, pickup, cleanup, and oh yeah, the food. And we're talking about some delicious freaking food. Tons of food and drinks. Fizos Seafood Steakhouse Oyster Bar and Catering. Absolutely delicious, absolutely amazing, and the ultimate tailgate. October 1, enter for your chance to win. The contest ends September 23rd. So you have between now and then to sign up. Head to ESPNLafayette.com or the ESPN Lafayette app. Click on tailgate for 50, and it's simple. It's simple. Free to sign up. Doesn't cost you anything. Go do it. Because it could be you. And if you happen to win it, if you want to invite me and my family, and I, I, it's up to you. It's up to you. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back, ah, The number one thing to look for in tomorrow night's preseason game for the Saints. I'll tell you what it is on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sport. Hey, this is Rich Eisen, and you can hear me every day on ESPN Lafayette from noon to 3 on the Rich Eisen Show. He still hasn't given up his dream of becoming a member of the Beastie Boys. Mm, Drop! Scott Prather on The Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. It does go well with a chicken. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show on a Friday. More Asian Cajun player interviews for you next week. Don't have enough time to play any more today. 
Big thanks to Gus Cagniel for coming on, to all you for listening. Saints preseason opener tomorrow, 5 o'clock pregame. You can hear it here on ESPN Lafayette. 103.3 on the FM, 14.20 on the AM. And, you know, they kick off at 7 in Houston, and preseason is not something that I enjoy. But I'll be watching. And here is the one player you need to be watching first and foremost, and that's Trevor Penning. Not whether or not he's going to start a fight. I don't think he's going to start a fight in his first preseason game. You need to be watching his technique. You need to be watching if he can handle himself. You need to be watching his footwork. You need to be watching. So we have an idea of just how raw he still is from a pro-level standpoint. It's your first-round pick. You want him to be the left tackle. It's an extremely important position. You want to talk about how valued it is in the NFL? Look across the league. Who are the highest-paid players? Well, you got quarterbacks. You got pass rushers, you got left tackles, then right tackles, then wide receivers, and then so on and so forth, and you go down the line. And when you get farther down the line, you have running backs. Now, if you're an elite, elite one, you can get paid like, say, Alvin Kamara or Derrick Henry. But speaking of Alvin Kamara, the other guys you need to watch tomorrow night are Tony Jones Jr. and Abram Smith. You know Mark Ingram at this point in his career, right? But one of those two, Tony Jones Jr., who was disappointing last year, and Abram Smith, a UDFA, will, you know, I mean, Dwayne Washington is going to be on the roster. One of these guys may be on the roster or the practice squad. But when Alvin Kamara is likely pending suspension hits, one of those two guys is going to go to taking significant snaps in a regular season game. Can one of them separate themselves from the other? And if so, they'll be the number two back when Kamara is suspended. Assuming that happens, and we're all expecting it. Um, Deshaun Dixon. Saints are very deep, the wide receiver. A lot different than last year, where they were very thin. It's hard to crack the roster here. But Deshaun Dixon, a New Orleans guy who went to Nichols State, who if you're if you were at the UL Nichols game last year, you saw he was honestly he was playing like the best player on the field. I mean, he was electric. He was incredible. And he has been turning heads in training camp nonstop. But at a position that if it, you know, he'd been there last year, he's probably got a spot on the roster this year. Man. Man. I mean, you got Kirk Merritt, who's impressing people at receiver as well. But with a lot of depth there, who separates themselves? Who is going to be a surprise guy to say, man, at the very least, if I clear waivers, you're putting me on the practice squad, but you, you better consider giving me a roster spot because I may not clear waivers. And then Alante Taylor, who talks so much about being a physical DB. Again, depth, Lattimore, Adebo, Roby. C.J. Gardner-Johnson listed as a safety, but he's a nickel specialist. You've got a lot of corners. P.J. Williams can play safety and nickel. So Taylor, again, needs to separate himself, needs to show his talent level. He says, I love physicality. Well, let's see what it looks like in a game, albeit a preseason game against a bad team. Those are the guys to keep an eye on tomorrow night more than any other. I'll talk to you guys Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. The Dan Patrick Show's next. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.